Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. We're getting closer and closer. It's, uh, hope everybody has their shopping done. <laughs> You know, uh, Christmas is a is a time for family, and many times as as we're celebrating it, uh, our families gather, friends come over, and uh, sometimes we have Christmas parties even in the midst of COVID, and they're still occurring, and sometimes. Well, people will show up at your home and you didn't, had, you didn't expect them to be there. It doesn't happen very much anymore, but it does happen where suddenly somebody shows up and, and you didn't know they were going to come and they're here. We may get visited by someone we don't expect. And, but the thing about that is, is that in reality, that is a Christmas thing. You know, we, we saw last week that Mary and Zechariah were visited by an angel, along with Joseph. And they were told by this angel that their lives were never going to be the same again, that they would both be playing part of God's plan for humanity. Mary would be pregnant with the Messiah, and Zechariah and Elizabeth would have a child, and he would go forward before the Messiah, like in the spirit of Elijah. But there was many, many different visitations, unexpected visitations that happened in the Christmas story. And there was another visitation that was part of the Christmas story, but before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the ones that were doing the visiting so visiting so far. I'm going to talk a little bit more about angels today. We'll get into the other, uh, the, the shepherds also a little bit. Well, as I said, an angel, or what is actually in, in Greek, angelos, which is, is messenger, and it's, it, it, that's what they do. It's their job description sometimes, one of their job descriptions. The same angel came and visited both Elizabeth, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Mary and Zechariah. And we're told that the name of that angel was Gabriel, which means God is my strength. If you go to the book of, of Luke, chapter 1, starting with verse 18. So Zechariah is in the temple, and he's doing his incense, the job he's to do as a priest. And an angel is standing in there with him, and Zechariah sees him, and, and, and the angel reveals to him what is going to happen. He reveals that his wife is pregnant, and she's going to have a child, and he'll be named John and he'll be full of the Holy Spirit from birth, as we talked about last week. And this is what how Zechariah responds. It says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, saying, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So we know just from that that um, apparently angels do have names, 
um, and also that they stand in the presence of God. This is important for us to remember that as we get into the rest of this, that the angels are in the presence. They, they observe all that God is doing and all that is going on. If you were with us or if you go back and listen to our, our series on um, the unseen realm, uh, you, will, you will learn more and more about what angels do, what they are. And then also, if we look at when, when the angel appeared to Mary, and this is in actually in Luke 1, 26-27, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So we know that Gabriel is very busy right now. Gabriel is the one who is, 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 is delivering these messages to those people who are going to play a key part in what God is doing in the world at this point in time. Fulfilling prophecy. So Gabriel comes as a messenger. He informs Mary and Zechariah about their part in God's plan. And he bears witness to the decrees of God prophesied by the prophets in the Old Testament. We also see Daniel, or I'm, I'm sorry, we also see Gabriel in Daniel. It's the other place we see him named. If we go to Daniel 8, starting with verse 15, it says, When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, so he sees, Daniel sees a vision, I sought to understand it, and behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of the man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, and it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Now, I love that verse because who was the voice? I believe it was God Almighty. God the Father telling Gabriel, Gabriel, tell him, tell him. So we know that the angel who comes to Daniel is also Gabriel. Gabriel has been all this time in the throne room of God, seeing God, everything happening according to what God has planned. Gabriel's one of the only two angels that we know of whose name we actually know. The other one is Michael. Michael is the protector of Israel. In Jude 1.9 we see him mentioned. But we, we don't know if Gabriel is an archangel or not because that's a, there's a hierarchy of angels. There's seraphim, cherubim. There's the host who we're going to talk about in a minute. There's archangels. And there's just regular messengers. We don't know because it never really says if Gabriel is an archangel. We just assume he is because he's got a name. At least his name was revealed to us. But we know that since he is named and has played such an important part, not only in the, the giving of prophecy to Daniel, he's also playing a part in the revealing of prophecy with Mary and Zechariah. So we know he is a vital part of God's plan. He plays a key part in revealing and giving prophecy and interpreting. And at the back end, he's, it's all being fulfilled. That's what's so amazing about it. But Gabriel is not the only angel who plays a part in this Christmas story. If we go to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and you guys know this story, but it's always good to talk about it again, remind us, talk about that in a couple weeks how it's important to be reminded of the gospel and reminded of God's promises. Starting in verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. There's the visitation. We have Zechariah, heaven, being visited by an angel. We have Mary being visited by an angel. We have 
Joseph seeing an angel in his dream. We, we have Mary, excuse me, Mary visiting Elizabeth. And now we have an angel in the midst of shepherds. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Another unexpected visitation. Shepherds are out in their fields, and the fields are, 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 are dark. It's, you could probably see a billion stars. It's not like here you go outside and there's a lot of street lights. There's a lot of, a lot of ambient light. I, uh, I have a, a, a night scope that you can see in the dark with. And I try to use it around my neighborhood. It's not as exciting because there's plenty of light. I can see fine without even the scope. But you've got to understand, out at this time, there were no city, city lights. It's dark. And they're out in the hills of Judah. They're on the fields. And all of a sudden, this angel appeared to them. And, and so the, what happens, that happens, that always happens when people see an angel or in the presence of God. They have fear. They're afraid because of his awesome power, the awesome power of God. It's a human response. It's very typical whenever we see people experiencing angels in Scripture. Especially an unexpected visitation of an angel. And the shepherds are fearful, and, and the angel has to assure them not to fear. And it says in verse 10, it says, and the angel said to them, fear not. But behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. See, see, the angel is visiting them, but he's not just visiting for them. This is going to be good news for everyone. Not just for these Jewish shepherds in this, the foothills of Judah. It was for all people, all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. And this is the message that he delivered to them. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's telling them what is going on right now. The Savior is being born. And then he tells them a prophecy. He says, and this will be a sign for you. This is a prophecy. This is what you will find. This is how you will know. He says, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes cloths and lying in a manger he gives them the good news the Messiah has come for all people it's occurring right now as he's speaking to them in Bethlehem or has occurred and then he gives them a sign a prophecy and he's also fulfilling a prophecy because remember if we go back to what into Genesis and what God promised Abraham in Genesis 22, he says, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The angel is telling, saying that this prophecy of Abraham has been fulfilled. All nations will be blessed by the birth of the Messiah. The fulfillment is happening. Now we might wonder why shepherds I mean, in Jesus' time, the, the shepherds were lowly people. They weren't exactly admired. They were considered untrustworthy. They were looked down upon. And yet here, God is sending 
his angel to the shepherds to share the good news of the birth of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. See, I, I think that the angels appearing to shepherds is an indication of the humbleness of Christ, the humbleness of his ministry. He was king of kings and lord of lords, but he wasn't born in a palace. There were not dignitaries and prime ministers at his birth. Shepherds are told, this is what you're going to find. He was born in a manger, a meager stable beside animals. And this good news was told to shepherds first. Humble circumstances surrounded the birth of Christ, which was fitting for the Son of the Most High, who would lead a ministry that was marked by sacrificial love, servanthood, and a surrender to the will of God. But the manger was more than just a symbol of humility. It was a sign. If we go back to verse 8 of what we read about the shepherds of Luke 2, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks by night. You see, sheep were raised in the hillsides around Bethlehem. It was a great place to graze. And, and the thing is that some of those sheep very well may have been destined being raised so that they could be sacrificed in the temple. Also, some of Israel's greatest heroes were shepherds. You have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. But see, by the first century, it wasn't held as such high esteem as it was back in the time of David especially when it was hired shepherds. These were not men who owned their own sheep as Abraham, Jacob, and David did. These were men who were hired to take care of somebody else's sheep. They had a rather savory, unsavory reputation. It was quoted, there's writings of the, of the Jewish rabbis, and they're quoted as saying, most of the time they were dishonest and thieving. They led their herds onto other people's land and pilfered the produce of the land. That's how the rabbis thought about shepherds. They lived outside most of the year. Flocks were kept outside in in this way that we see in the book of Luke, usually between April to November. But sometimes, if the weather was temperate enough, they would also be kept all through the winter out in the fields. But the shepherds were constantly with their sheep. Because the sheep were vulnerable. All kinds of trouble could happen to them. The shepherds made sure that the sheep, first of all, were safe from themselves. Because sheep are, sheep are not exactly the most intelligent animals. They will wander off. They will fall into a ravine and can't get themselves out. But also, the shepherd was there to protect them from thieves, people who would come and steal sheep, and also from wild animals that would come to eat the sheep. But see, these shepherds that the rabbis thought so little of were the very ones who received the first message about the Messiah being born. And see, we know from Scripture that God is our good shepherd. In Psalm 95, it says, We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So one minute the shepherds are talking 
probably sitting around a fire, watching the sheep on guard in case animals come. And then the blackness, the darkness of the Judean hills. And the next minute, an angel is standing amongst them. Yeah, you bet they were afraid, and you would be too. And the news. The news they are given is so amazing that all of a sudden, the hillside is ablaze with the glory of God. The host of heaven. Verse 13 of Luke 2 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. I mean, this is, this is more than just a, you know, the most powerful flashlight. This is, this is the complete and radiance of the glory of God. And I, I can imagine, you know, we, we, if, I, if we go back and look at what, who are the hosts of heaven, well, the hosts of heaven are the ones who stand around in the throne room of God. They are his counsel. He's, they're the ones he talks to. We can go throughout the Old Testament and find places where he calls his counsel together. And he, he talks to them. He, he, has the, he allows them to have input into what's going to happen with man. Again, go back and read, or go back and listen to my sermons, or if you want to, there's a book called um, Angels by Michael Heiser, which biblically goes through who the angels are, according to Scripture and also according to Jewish thought in the first century. But these are spiritual beings who are surrounding the throne room of God. They're part of the council, and they have a reputation of praising God and everything he does. So you can imagine that throughout time they've been sitting there and they've been watching all these things happening and all of a sudden things are beginning to occur. We said last week there was this 400 years of silence. Then all of a sudden, boom, 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 things are happening. So you can imagine that they were sitting there like, just holding themselves back, waiting for the announcement to be made so that they could praise God and all he had done. We know that they did this because if we go back to the book of Job, it says it says in Job 38, it says he's, God is talking to Job in person. He's, he's conversing with him, and Job is questioning God, and, and, and God is kind of laying some things out on Job. It says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, this is God speaking to Job, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's what they do. And then in Psalm 103, verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I mean, can you imagine the heavenly host standing before God, watching creation occur, praising his name for it, to this very moment where the shepherds are given the message of what was happening in Bethlehem, that the Messiah was being born, that the redemption of man was near, that Eden was going to be reversed, the beginning process of Eden being reversed, the curse being gone, was occurring. And now we come to this culmination of so many prophecies happening. And they're all coming true at this moment. 
and the beginning of the beginning of the prophecies yet to come. They couldn't help it but break out in, in praising God. We don't know if they sang, but we, they, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But they, I'm sure they shouted for joy. And then all of a sudden, they're gone. <laughs> I imagine, you know, shepherds are like, wow. <laughs> you know, you've, you, if you've ever been someplace where, you know, there's been a bright light, and then all of a sudden it's dark, you know, you can't see. And that's what they experienced. And I'm sure they're standing there looking at each other and looking up for those moments of awe and wonder of the visitation that just happened to them. I don't think they expected it. And now they have a choice. Do they return to the fire and continue their conversations? Well, of course not. I wouldn't. Would you? They told you what was happening, and they told you how you would find him. They couldn't help but to go. They had to experience what they were told was happening. They had just experienced the glorious presence of God, and they had to see the reason why. Go back to Luke 2, verse 15. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, and, and, and I, that's the one thing about Scripture. It's just words. You don't get that emotion. But you can imagine they're like, uh, let's go. <laughs> and I mean, the excitement, I'm sure, that was on them. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They booked, they ran, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So they hurry off to Bethlehem to see what the angel had told them would be true. They understood where the information was from. They knew it was from God. God wants them to see the birth of the Messiah. Now, where to find a manger? Well, obviously, you find a manger in a stable. But there was probably more than one stable in Bethlehem. So I imagine they were going from stable to stable. Because we don't know if the star was there. The star was there for the wise men, but that's a few years later. But we do know that they found him, and it was exactly as the angel had said, prophecy fulfilled. And they see Mary and Joseph with the baby in the manger, but they don't just stand there. You know, we, we, get this, we get this image of the manger and, you know, silent night. I doubt if it was very silent. First of all, the animals are, are, are normally sleeping or resting their time and they're being disturbed. Oh, God put a supernatural oh, sleepiness over the animals and they were calm. We don't know that. That's just us liking to how we wrap our mind around it. And then you have all these shepherds coming in. And look what it says in verse 17. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Okay, so they come in, they see Mary, they see Joseph, they see the baby, and they don't just sit there all around it with smiles on their face, oh, isn't he precious? No, they begin to tell Mary, especially Mary and Joseph, what they had seen. And then once they see it, they don't stop there. They go out and they tell other people what they saw, what they were told, and what they saw. Because it says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Now, if it had just been Mary and Joseph, it would say, and Mary and Joseph wondered at what they had told them. No, they went out and they, they told the town. Now, these are people who already are not liked by, by most of the people or looked down upon if, if, and tolerated at the, at the best. And here they are knocking on doors, telling people, hey, we got visited by an angel. They told us the Messiah was born, and it's here, right here. Now, I'm going to make a speculation, and it's just me. This is not in Scripture. But I imagine there may have been a couple other people who were close by who, I want to go see this. But there were probably a lot of people who said, leave us alone. It's late. Just leave me alone. But it says, and all who heard it wondered. They couldn't keep quiet. They had to tell Mary and Joseph, and they had to tell everyone they encountered of what they experienced. They experienced the glory of God. Not just in the angels, but they experienced the glory of God with the baby in a manger. I mean, you can't keep silent when you've experienced God. As we, as we today see prophecy fulfilled, and there's a lot of prophecy that's been fulfilled even within the last hundred years. And the prophecy that's going to be fulfilled going forward we can't sit silent as we see it being fulfilled. We must tell people, show people where it was prophesied, and show them how it's come to be. And praise God for it. It says in verse 19, in Mary's response, this says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I mean, Mary has a lot to think about. Here's this young girl who has been visited by an angel, told she's pregnant, but she has never known a man, and told that he's going to be the Messiah. He's going to save his people. She's, she probably thinks that Joseph's going to divorce her. You know, people say, well, he would have stoned her. No, that wasn't normally, didn't normally happen during that time. It was in the law, but it wasn't normally carried out. Romans wouldn't allow it because the Romans wanted to kill people. Didn't want other people killing people. So he, was, he thought she was going to, he was going to divorce her, but he doesn't. And he takes her with him to his, his home, hometown, his place of his family. And she gives birth. And now these shepherds come and they said they see, saw angels telling them to come and see the baby. She's pondering these things. And so she adds this moment to the other moments that she's been pondering, she's been treasuring them up, she's been storing them. But this is this is more than this just oh, oh isn't that amazing kind of idea. This is this is treasuring up. It's this pondering. It's this considering. It's giving care, careful thought to it. And I think at times that sometimes that's what's missing in our world today. It's missing in the church today. Nobody wants to think deeply about scripture. Just give me what I need to know and let me go. Just entertain me this morning and then give, make me feel good about me as a Christian. Well, I'm sorry, there's a lot more deepness in this than just that. Yes, 
Yes, you can feel good, but not because of you. We feel good because of Christ and what he done for us and his love for us and what we need to do, what we should do as a response to that. But I don't think we ponder it enough. We don't think about it enough. Don't give careful thought to it. But this is going to become a common theme for Mary in her life with her son Jesus. She's going to find many moments where she has to ponder and consider and think about this. She has a lot to process, a lot to make sense of. And so do the shepherds. I mean, do they go back to the fields? Do they just go on with their lives? I can, I can tell you, their lives didn't change as far as how they were treated. People didn't all of a sudden say, well, you know, God visited shepherds, so shepherds must be important. So now we're going to elevate them in society. No, they stayed where they were. They continued to take care of the sheep. They continued to be disliked by people. But I can be honest with you, and probably I, I, I truly believe that it did change them. They had a peace about where they were and a peace about what they were doing because they had seen God. They had experienced the Almighty. And as they're going back, you know, sometimes when we experience something great, we kind of kind of quiet and we're contemplating. No, no, not them. Lewis says in verse 20 of Luke 2, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and as it had been told to them. They return, they are worshiping and they are praising. They've just woken up the town, I'm, I'm guessing, and now they're walking out of the town and they're worshiping and praising God. Prophecy had been fulfilled and it had occurred exactly the way they had been told. How do you know somebody's a prophet? Because it ha- things happen. What they say happen, is going to happen happens exactly the way they said it's going to. If somebody says they're a prophet and they say something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, they are a false prophet. Do not listen to them. Today in, the ch- in some churches it's like, well, we, we, can't, we sometimes make mistakes. Oh, no, no, no. There's no place in Scripture where a prophet made a mistake. If they did, they were a false prophet. But they return, worshiping. There's no doubt in their minds, this is from God. It fills them with such joy they can't remain silent. They have to praise. And this is an appropriate response to such an unforgettable experience. See, Christmas Christmas is more than just about the Christmas tree and the presents under a tree, or the, the twinkly lights that we decorate our homes and, and seeing if we can make our electric bill more expensive than our neighbor's electric bill for a couple months. Thank goodness for LED lights. They take a lot less power. It's about much more than gathering with family, whether they are expected or unexpected visitors. It's more than about eating more than we probably should. See, Christmas is about God's plan of redemption. God's plan to save mankind, because man cannot save himself. You are not good enough. You cannot be. So God had a plan to send his son, beginning in a manger and ending on the cross, or transitioning on the cross, rising again to come back one day. It's about redemption, prophesied in the Old Testament, revealed to Mary 
and Joseph by Gabriel, and proclaimed to the shepherds by the angels. And as we ponder and we think about this deeper meaning of Christmas, see, we too should be like Mary. We should ponder these things, store them up in our hearts, think about the depths of God, proclaim like the shepherds proclaim, and glorify and praise God for his coming to save us from our sins and praise him and glorify him for his future coming when he comes to finally set up his kingdom here on earth. I want to close this out by reading to you Psalm 145. I, I was reading through this and I thought this is a great this is a great example of how we need to be praising God. And this is from David. It says, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. It means there's no end to it. You could search for a thousand years for the greatness of God. You will never find the end of it. One generation shall commend your works to another. Are we? Are we teaching our children? Are, are we teaching the next generation how awesome and great God is? And shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. Do we? Do I meditate on that or do I meditate on the stock market or do I meditate on my job? What do I meditate on? No, I need to be meditating on the glorious splendor and the majesty in his wondrous works. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Yes, even the wicked have mercy, because they could be destroyed instantly. Instead, God is giving them an opportunity to be saved. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are fallen and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all on, who call on him in truth. You can call on him, but if you don't call in truth, he's not going to answer you. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh 
flesh. Bless his holy name forever and ever. This, this should be our response to Christmas, to the Christmas visitation. And that visitation that happened, the greatest one that happened was Jesus coming to visit this world. The visitation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comment section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.